uh, you're tuning in to this podcast for the first time, you are in the middle of season four, and uh, this season's been fun. We're talking about six trends that we need to see happen in disciple making. We're concerned that they won't happen, but we need to see them happen. And we've been gathering several different people uh, throughout the uh, the podcast who've joined us to talk about these particular uh, these particular topics. And uh, on the last uh, podcast, we had Mandy Smith and Kevin Harris, Myron Pierce, Grant Skeldon, Rob, you and I were on there. And uh, we talked about accountability uh, becoming, healthy accountability becoming greater uh, than behavior management. It's a fantastic conversation. Um, you know, uh, just a quick unpack of that. We want to see uh, help, accountability becoming this, uh, this acceptance of responsibility to live on offense, you know, to live a life of obedience and to thrive in that life instead of some type of post-mortem consequence-based experience or trying to keep a sin prevention tool. Um, so uh, you see that, you heard all that unpacked. Uh, what we've committed to do is after those podcasts is if, after we've listened to them, sit down and just ask, okay, what now? What did we learn from these other disciple makers that we need to uh, integrate into what we do uh, here at Disciples Made, you guys with the underground as well. And we're asking two questions, you know, what challenges us most in that podcast? And then um, how do we need to augment or change our approach uh, based upon what we've heard? So just toss it out there. What are you guys thinking? What'd you hear? Yeah, two words that came up for me yet as I was processing or listening was just fear and trembling. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, and mostly... I think in the, I guess the first part of the podcast, just recognizing again, the high level of influence that so many leaders have had and the younger that that's happening. And just this idea because of the other podcasts we've all been listening to and uh, like the Mars Hill, whatever of uh, the, the opportunity before the character catches up. And even at 39 and just beginning to own that and be more aware of my increasing age, it's just like feeling this place of, oof, um, man, I, you know, I, Rob, I remember I texted you even after that first podcast uh, came out or the first episode, I listened with the Mars Hill one where it was just like, man, please don't let this become us. Don't let it become our story. How do we go low? How do we put things in place so that we don't? But just that was the first thing was I just had this sense of fear and trembling of how do we not put ourselves in a place where we live beyond accountability or think we're above it or don't have enough of it in place, don't respond to it appropriately quickly enough. Um, so it was a, a sobering reminder of continual examination of my own life. I think we have lived there, but I suppose there's probably never enough. Um, so, and I, I had two other thoughts, but I don't want to monopolize the time so we can come back around to them. But one of them had to do with the psychology issue you threw out there of projecting. And uh, the other one is escaping me right now. So <laughs> maybe we should come back to them. Well, yeah, one that one I don't want to uh, to to leave us before uh, Rob tosses an answer out there is Grant's concern that all of these people are gaining just because of the social media ability uh, to gain influence. So, like more and more people are able to get influence and get it quickly in pockets 
uh, and they don't have the character to have evolved yet to handle that much influence and Grant's concern about that. And yeah, but I love how you personalized it, Brian. It's like, what does this mean for me? Not just this organization, but me personally. So I love that. Rob. Yeah, I, I really resonate with what you said, Brian, like the fear and the trembling, you know, of course it's his kindness that leads us to repentance and Jesus gentleness. Um, but I also know, you know, he's got a rod and a staff. And uh, and I imagine when the sheep gets hit with the rod, it's like, ow, that <laughs> stings. And, uh, and again, not to keep piling on to Mars Hill, you know, but you wonder um, if, if there had been, you know, if Mark Driscoll really had had, let's say, a real triad, you know, and uh, and there had been a really high level of transparency and accountability. And Sean and I were talking earlier today about, um, you know, a church leader that um, we were very close to who uh, had had a lot of trauma growing up. And, uh, and there was a particular moment in the story of this church um, that became a, a, unfortunately like a dividing moment. And uh, he had made this sort of audible call to address a crisis situation in a different way than the team had prayed and discerned together. And looking back now, you know, it's like, I think that decision actually came out of trauma from his childhood. And I think so much of the chaos we see um, a lot of times is coming out of like, we're, we're just repeating patterns in history and um, you can't do that kind of work with 12 people or 70 people or like, um, but two, three, four really close um, brothers or sisters over time being willing to share um, and go down into those kind of dark spaces in our life. And if we, and we're so afraid to do it, I mean, I am uh, still, even after having so many good experiences it's still like we opened up about some stuff this week with the ops team that was really scary you know and uh and we're also having this whole conversation right now about like records of wrong um where are we where are we holding on to records of wrong um so it's funny it's like even if you had a great experience with accountability like i have every time you go there again your heart rate goes up Every time it's still not like, oh, I'm totally down with this now. It's still every time like, oh, is this going to be okay? Because you're, you're literally, it's the naked and unashamed thing. It's like, I'm going to stand naked now. And I'm so used to shame. Um, but if we don't, the reason I'm bringing this up, it leads to so much, it, multipl it multiplies trauma if we don't. It, it leads to so many terrible consequences if we don't do it, you know? So I guess for me, it's um, it's funny that you brought that up, Ryan. I mean, I had this sense of sobriety about it too, you know, of um, that small, quiet, mostly invisible work that no one will ever see with two or three other people. 
is the most important work, you know? Um, like if we abandon the divine space with our father and time alone and that third, yeah, three space, triad space, it literally guts the 12, the 72, the credit, like just gut, eventually all that stuff would crumble. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it really gripped me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, seriously, I know, I mean, thinking about a guy that I'm getting a lot closer to, I'm just talking generalities today, <laughs> you know, and we're, Oh, we were processing some, you know, that's right, some trauma issues that he had shared, you know, and we're asking, like, how are you working on it? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this and that and this and that. Yeah, it's good. It's like things. Are, and in my heart, I was like, mm, mm -mm. no, you, you went past that a little too fast. <laughs> I know it doesn't, it doesn't work quite the way that you're saying it is. In fact, not, not really at all. <laughs> yeah, as I say, it's not it's not just about doing this and that and this and that and this and that. It's like maybe one thing for a long time mm -hmm. and sitting in that one thing and sitting in the pain of it. You know, I think we're I think that's maybe part of the problem or part of the conversation. I shouldn't say problem and color it that way, with accountability in our culture too, is like the quick fix. We're we're in such a rapid pace culture that needs to okay, I confessed this, or I needed you to ask me about this. Now we just move on, Yeah, you know, rather than exploring the depths of why we're here or how we want to move forward. I mean, it's both of those like there, you know, we don't want to completely cut out the defensive accountability either. I know we talk about For offensive, sure. yeah. but like on both of those sides and when there is a desire to move forward, yeah, I just, we have to do the the long, slow work of sitting in the frustration of it too, and not just trying to advance and fix it and move on. So, but there was, you know, one other piece, uh, I, I brought it up a minute ago, but I'll just bring it back up now would be, you know, you talked about how oftentimes it's this projection of, I'm uh, frustrated with myself, so I'm taking this out on you. I've recognized that in my parenting. Enneagram one, done enough work on it to understand myself here. And I know a lot of the times the reason why I'm just going off on my kids is because I've reached a place where I'm, I feel like I haven't achieved or attained something. <laughs> you know? mm, and I'm going, yeah. no, I'm looking at you and I want to make you perfect. And so I'm getting frustrated with you know, your slight imperfections. What's true is like, I'm just really frustrated with my own imperfections and I was hoping to make you perfect, yada, yada. I won't go too deep into that. Uh, so as I listened, I was like, yeah, that's probably part of why we don't want to do it or this projection of shame or, or whatever. But and I don't want to go too far down on this, Brian. So if you want to pull it back, you can. But well, the, one of the things that stood out as I listened to it was that the those two questions, do I... Do I have purpose or meaning? 
and am I lovable? And I know you talk about those so much with these are the, the primary identity struggles that we have that go all the way back to the garden. Um, and we'll have so much more on this next year, I know. But as I listened, I was like, I think part of the problem of just being vulnerable and open is we're asking ourselves, am I lovable? So if I share this, my assumption is I'm not lovable. That's if true. you see this side of me, you will stop loving me. And so yeah. I can't show it to you because you may stop loving me and I can't lose that piece of my identity. So it's safer for me to hide this, to hold that. And I just, that was another part of the depth of listening through it that I was, uh, I was like fear and trembling and am I lovable? <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, and it was just exposing those pieces for me of I'm so wrapped up in that primary fear of my life of losing the love and affection of someone that it's just safer to, you know, just work on it myself and try to deal with it and hope that you never know about it. Yeah. Um, that's really good how that goes with what Rob said. Um, Mandy put it this way and I thought it was great. She said, sometimes vulnerability isn't just sharing with people, but allowing people to be in the moment of figuring things out. Um, is normally accountability is kind of a, a post event uh, kind of wrap up or summary or help or, or whatnot. And I just loved how she said, sometimes it's just admitting in real time that you don't have this piece figured out and asking for help. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and we're saying that this is difficult to go into. It's like, there's another element to this. It's just very practical. One's emotional. I don't want to go there. That's difficult. You don't see any sheep kind of looking up at the shepherd going, I just missed the rod. Can you hit me again? I mean, we, right, we, don't, right. have, we don't have that disposition. Um, but there's another thing. It just, it's inefficient to stop what you're doing when one of these threatening moments pops up and, and, and just say, okay, you know what? We're going to carve out some space and we're going to take care of this in real time. I think long-term it's extraordinarily efficient because you mitigate all kinds of problems and you basically, for there's a crude way of saying it, but you grease the wheels for better health and yeah. more efficiency long-term because you, you're getting rid of those little self speed bumps. Um, but uh, it just seems hyper inefficient uh, at the time. But I thought that, that thing with Mandy, I thought was just so good I, to me. We, I've got a habit of doing that at, in, the, in the way I operate, in the way I work. Hey, let's just debrief that for a second. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's talk through that and, uh, and tell me, where did you think I didn't go uh, right on this? Or, you know, let me kind of share with you what I thought might have been an opportunity for a better, a better way uh, for you. And I kind of, you know, it, it, it's kind of weird. It kind of slows things down. But I really like what she says. I'm just curious what you guys are thinking about that. Well, I mean, what strikes me is um, you're right. No one's ever going to say, boy, I've got so much time to really build a great triad in my life. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's, it's never going to be convenient. It's always going to have to be a discipline. Um, and once you learn how to do that kind of proper, healthy attachment with a few people, you know, you can start then to expand, you know? So, you know, the best teams, I think um, you've got leaders that are doing that work um, 
And then when there's a moment to debrief, people know it's not just a shell game to get affirmation. You know, like they know you're genuinely asking. Like when, because of the work the three of us have done, when we're debriefing a work, quote unquote, work thing with DM and you're asking for feedback, I know you actually want real feedback. Right. Yeah. Like you're not just like narcissistically asking for me to compliment what you just did. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Like you actually want uh, the, the full picture, you know? So it, it, to me, it's, um, you're right. Like once you're doing the hard work, the intentional work with a few people, you can start building those rhythms into other spaces and they become really meaningful and fruitful and then unlock a lot of genius, you know, and I feel that we've created that culture with the operations team with the underground too. Um, And one of the ways we've tried to do that is, uh, you know, like practicing voice order with the fivefold of apostolic evangelistic, you know, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, um, letting the quieter voices go first. And, and it's a way of saying, we actually really do want to hear what you think. Yeah. You know? Um, so the more we can validate people's identity gifts um, so that they can really use their unique voice in those smaller spaces. It's like, that's what really unlocks the mind of Jesus to us, like you know? It. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't want to take this in a totally different direction. So always feel free to say that. Take us, the way take us, let's go. <laughs> but just even again, listening back through and hearing, like I kind of sit in the place that everybody else is. I'm not on the call with you guys when you do it. So I'm just trying to pick up all the little pieces. Right. Um, but some of it stands out to me because it is a reality in which I live with, whether you're talking about voice order or Rob mentioned SAV. You know, and just like, there's actually a ton of other tools that make this easier if you'll do the long, slow work of incorporating them into your life. Mm -hmm. So, so many people are afraid to do, um, you know, accountability and vulnerability in a certain way, right? Like Mm -hmm. even that's like the long, slow work for, uh, for Rob and I specifically. And it's like, I, I have done more of the work now of my insecurity in the past, understanding my fear of abandonment and mm. that's not true, but uh, of like it actually happening. But we've talked so much about like that and our friendship and his willingness to go in front continually and talk about like n- nothing, nothing could ever change the way I love you as a brother mm-hmm. and as the, you know, a son in the spirit. And so like the continual affirmation on the front end and uh, praise and celebration Mm. helps when there's a moment of, I need to talk to you about something that I'm seeing that, that I'm concerned might be a pattern in your life. Oh, this is so good, man. Or anything else. So, and it, you know, it just goes back to a simple tool that I learned years ago from the 3DM team with the invitation challenge. Yeah. Right. Of just like the way that Jesus tells Peter, you know, you're the rock and I'm going to build my church on you. And it's like, what greater compliment could you hear? Like, it's like walking around in the clouds and then, all right. And then six (laughs) verses later, get behind me, Satan, you know, and just like the first time I heard that, it's like, man, just the short span of where Mm -hmm. Jesus took him emotionally and hearing, yeah, Peter doesn't bolt. 
Why? Because of like this just continual process of invitation into that deeper relationship, celebration of who you are, appreciation, affirmation, elevation. It's like the, the more we can create cultures of that, it's like it elevates the vulnerability piece on the backside because of the deeper trust in yeah. which I have in you and that I am secure of knowing I am lovable because mm -hmm. that is actually more mm -hmm. of what I hear. Yes. That's so good, man. Our, our buddy, Chris Caputo, who leads the relational wholeness team from the underground, one of the things that he's really drilled into our team is the whole thing of um, build joy and then validate, you know, like when you see somebody uh, start with joy and then think about what's unique about them that you really love. And if we build on that foundation, uh, then we can do, then we will be able to do the other stuff. Like if we don't build on that foundation, it's just too fragile. It's like, I'm not going there, yeah. but if, and I do, and I feel that with us three, it's like, we, we really like to have fun together. <laughs> That's why there's a yeah. lot of shenanigans in the, in the podcast. It's like, we're yeah. actually really happy to be together. <laughs> like, I really love these guys. They're amazing. You know? And, yeah. uh, and I have been in, like, I remember one of the groups I was in at Granger where we was a high accountability group. It, it really started to feel like the morality police. It's like, I, I don't think we're actually happy or joyful to be together anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this has gone wrong somehow. I want to go. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a it, lot it, of, oh, I'm sorry, Brian. Well, I was just going to say, I think in that piece, like the assumption is every time I approach this environment, I know what's coming and it's critique. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so you're, you're, you train your brain to assume a certain filter with certain relationships. Yeah. And so the more that you lead with that sense of joy, affirmation, celebration, uh, even when you receive the accountability and need to go to a more vulnerable place, the filter is the correct filters in place, not the fear-based one, but the, the love joy-based. Right. Uh, right, right, right. That's excellent. I'm going to summarize this point and then take us uh, to another another element. Um, don't want this thing to go too long. But in the podcast itself, there was an awful lot of emphasis on this personal accountability. Like, how do I develop this rhythm personally myself? And the importance of that conversation and the this one that we're having now uh, is, you know, you can't make the trend happen if it doesn't start with the few that model it well and invite other people into it. They see the value of it. They share it with, you know, mm -hmm. with people that they move forward and it has to start with us. So I'm loving this. Um, I took a couple of notes on this particular thing. I actually had that quote from Mandy to talk about, and that's the, how do we encourage vulnerability in real time instead of most accountability or taking responsibility conversations happening after the fact, after some measure of uh, loss or some measure of brokenness or failure or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't really know what's happening, how do we, you know, just invite participation in that vulnerability in real time? And, and of course, the environment that we've created for our disciples made groups is the triads. So I'm wondering if there's some element of uh, quality of journal. We, we, we measure, That's we good. measure stats of journal, but we don't have a real way to help guarantee is not the right word. I'm just kind of making this up as I go to, to kind of help foster a more qualitative instead of just quantitative measurement of journaling. Um, 
And one of the ideas that I had, I just want to toss it by you guys in real time, is uh, if you haven't if you haven't been scared to write a journal at least two or three times a month, you might not be doing it right. <laughs> oh. and, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Good. I do feel so, that. I, I uh... Yeah. Or if you notice that you're significantly modifying a uh, journal for. Yeah. Or you're just yeah. making it like real generic. Like, yeah. I will not, you know be so selfish in right. the next week. It's like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be specific enough to where um, it's like, okay, the fig leaves are coming off. Yeah. You know? And you don't and have to if, do that with everybody. Right. But if, if you're not doing that consistently with a few, you are basically making yourself so vulnerable to yeah all the bad stuff yeah so i'm going to work on that for the new iteration of the uh the the followers made and leaders made notes it's like if you haven't uh or if somebody in your triad hasn't written something that made you a little uh whoa that was <laughs> yeah. that was question close. your own love for them <laughs> yeah uh like uh how am i not perhaps inspiring or creating space for their vulnerability and it takes time you can't expect this to happen in the first couple of months of a followers made but by the time you're in the last half particularly in the last quarter of one of these experiences uh we should be inviting that so i'm gonna i'm gonna put plug, plug that kind of thing in there i think you have a a biblical uh framework for that too i mean we we, I think we skim over this a lot because it sounds super clever to be like, oh, look at the Bible. It was written by the losers. You know, it was written by the marginalized and history is always written by the winners. And we, we talk about how, you know, all of the Old Testament saints are really, uh, man, I just got some shady stuff in there, you know, yeah. and even the gospel writers, you know, it's like Mark writing about how, you know, in the garden, when they arrest Jesus, like this, ran away. <laughs> this, this young man ran away naked, like yep. he just ran away naked. And we, you know, like it, it's just our, it's so sanitized for us because we've made these points so often, but it's like, yeah. actually the biblical model would be for us to be far more vulnerable than yeah. we actually are. If we'll slow down and just let the uh, prof profound nature of that truth sort of settle in. I'd say it's like when you're, when you're listing out the criteria for good journals on quality, it's like if you erased your journal entry once to try to reword it, um, don't, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, just whatever comes out that first time, let, let that like be it. what you lead with. I like it. Let me turn the corner. I know our time's running down. Here's the other big one that stood out to me. Uh, Myron's choice to say, I just don't want to use that word. I don't want to use that word. Uh, and then even Kevin quoted uh, Bob Goff says, don't hold me accountable, hold me close. It's like, you know, I've always wanted to redeem words instead of abandon them and make and use new ones. Uh, but that got me thinking, you know, it got me thinking that while we were recording it. And then afterwards, it's like, that's big. Is it smart to try to redeem this? So I want to toss that out and see what uh, what you thought. Yeah, I think we both sat in silence on that for a second. Like, oh, <laughs> I'll let you go a, first. That's a heavy decision. Yeah, and we don't have to decide. It's just like, what? What's your blink? What's your what's your quick? I I think probably the same tension where it's like I, I love the redemption of words as well because I love language. Um, 
but I also just recognize it, it's probably one of those things. It's just going to have to be contextual, you know, for Myron to say like contextually, it's just not helpful where I am. And I've done that work. Um, and then for other contexts to say, uh, I, and I think he did a great job too, with the theological premise behind that, where it's like, there's actually only one person that we're holding accountable. The rest of us are responsible, but I, I just think contextually, every person's going to have to do that work. Like for me, it has enough baggage because of the early on. And I really like the whole framing of responsibility over accountability. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm just not opposed to it either. I, I think we get too hung up on it. Well, I don't like that word. So I'm just going to toss it or redeem or, you know what I mean? Sure. It's just like, sure. let's, uh, let's, let's hold the concept rather than the word high. Um, and not, not confuse the the means with the end on it. So I don't, that's just where I currently am, but I haven't done a ton of processing. Yeah. I, I feel the same way when you, I mean, the word accounting is a sterile word. It's a word yeah. about mathematics and charts and Excel spreadsheets and did this tally up correctly. And if it didn't, I'm, you know, you're in trouble with the IRS. That's where I went, Rob. That's exactly where I went, man. I just like, no, so man, that is a loaded word. It is. Yeah. It's uh like where words like attachment and responsibility feel very healthy, welcoming. Um, and what's good about the, um, both of those words is, um, you know, just like parents or like a healthy family, um, because we're properly attached to each other. Um, we can talk about anything that we need to, you know, and when we aren't, uh, that's when we start hiding, you know, which means I'm actually running from love and I'm running from really being known. Um, so if I lead with attachment, that's, it feels like I'm leading with love and then responsibility is about, and I'm going to grow up. Like, I'm not going to be a child my whole life. Mm. Like I want to learn to do things correctly. And, if, if someone doesn't hold my feet to the fire, I'm not going to do it sometimes because I'm just tired or lazy or rebellious because we all are, you know? So like, it feels like accountability could be the third or fourth word in or something. And then it would be like, yeah, I actually do. Just like, I want my, I had a guitar teacher and he gave me stuff to practice every week and, and I had to go meet him every week and he would tell if I practiced <laughs> or not, you know, he's like, you Without didn't do this. You didn't work on it this week. Did you? Nope. Well, it's your money. I got paid today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if you want to waste your time, that's cool. <laughs> that's that's going to if you've been hanging around Disciples Made or heard some of the announcements in the last season, you know that we are uh, going to be creating a lot more than our standard followers made, leaders made stuff that's usually filled with people that have a history with church. Uh, and, and accountability kind of has this negative connotation, but we know what it means. Ultimately, it's to help us be better. Um, but it seems to me the more we're going to open this up to, to folks that are spiritually curious, but not churchly indoctrinated, so to speak, had a background, that might be an unhelpful word uh, to overcome. So this has been pretty thought-provoking. Um, I had one more thought, but uh, did y'all have another one? No. Nope. All right, let's just do quick on this one as well, even quicker than the last one. Uh, I can't remember who said it. He says, I've seen accountability groups become high control, and that becomes very dangerous. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with that to completely. Uh, we, we, we use stats to kind of measure and to, and to be a signal of uh, quantifiable health on the habits. And the assumption there is that the habits are necessary in order for the growth to happen. It's not legalistic. You didn't do it. You're a bad person. It's not like we're aiming for 100 percent. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, how does that not become a control feature for leaders that might not have some the healing of that? toxic nature is it is it destructive at the onset and irredeemable is it too risky or is it on point and we train people to leverage tools like that and add the quantification to them later i I think if you look at human history it's pretty hard to argue with the validity of tracking um in some kind of systematic way metrics data um if you're saying we have to throw that out or it's legalistic it's like well name me one area of human endeavor that flourishes that that isn't present right that's good it just i don't it's it doesn't happen without that you know so having some way to see if we're making you know again back to my guitar lessons it's like i signed up because i wanted to be able to play guitar i love music i want to make music so if if it ceases to be about making beautiful music and it's just about did you do your scales this week. Yeah. That's when it's toxic, you know? So if it gets disattached from the vision of transformation and character and calling, and it just becomes, right. uh, Did I, you know, hit the metrics, then it's religion. And yeah, I mean, it's training wheels for sure. That's the point. It's not, but I, I just think it's, it's about holistic training all around. So it's never about do the stats, do the numbers, get the thing done. It's about, there's another training tool on love and joy and attachment that you need to understand. Cause I think what you're saying also with the controlling environment is like somebody is, you know, owning the, I'm going to, I'm the leader of this triad and I'm, you know, somebody's looking at me, right. You know, they're trying to decide if I'm a good leader over here. So you better get your stuff. I don't, you know, wherever they might be. It's not top down. It's bottom up. That's helpful. Yeah. And it's, it's side relational too but it's like the holistic training is how do we do this to to bring joy and life to each other not how do we do this so that someone loves us more because we've achieved something or whatever mm-hmm. so i just think it's you you don't lose the tool you just add additional training that uh, makes it more holistic which is where those relationships are so key that's good i I wanted to ask that. I kind of thought I knew the answer, but I also wanted to model what it's like to expose and be vulnerable. Like this is key to our systems and it's just kind of helpful for the people that generated those systems to look under the hood and ask, is it still cool under there? Does that still, that still work? That's making it vulnerable in real time. So awesome. Well, thank you gentlemen. Appreciate your time on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to the next episode popping up in a couple of weeks where we're going to be talking about a really fun one, Loving My Enemy, Becoming Greater Than Unfriending My Enemy. Cancel culture. Oh, man. It's about, the only, it's about the only thing I want to cancel is cancel culture, but we'll have we'll to see how that unfolds. Take care, my brothers. And Adios. Oh, you're talking about us, not everybody else.